Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you've joined me today. I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Last week I began a series titled Jesus, God with Us. If you missed that uh, session, I'd like to invite you to go back into our archives and listen to it. I think it would be very beneficial to you as we move forward with this series today. But you know, uh, Jesus really is God with us. And it's important that you know that and that you understand that. It's vital. Actually, a person can't even be a Christian if they don't believe that. That, that the second member of the Trinity took on human form and, uh, and, and was called Jesus and that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Uh, uh, now, now people don't, don't balk so much at the 100% man, but you also have to believe that he's 100% God. I was astounded, as I said last week, to read a survey recently where some supposed Christians, quite a, quite a number of them, do not believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't believe that, that he's God. But you have to believe that or you can't be a Christian. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that. The Bible's saying that. I'm just telling you what the Bible's saying. So it's very important that you know who Jesus is. And not only that you know who he is, but to, that you know him for yourself. Okay. But there's a lot of people uh, who, who call themselves Christians, even scholars and teachers, in, you know, in the, in, 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 churches and whatnot, and pastors and so forth, that don't even believe that Jesus is God. And again, you can't, be, you can't even be a Christian unless you believe that. So much I said about that last week, said so much about uh, the virgin birth last week. You have to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, you know, to, to be a Christian. That's a, that's a foundational point of the Christian faith. Anyway, said much about uh, his virgin birth last week, and we read the, his, his, the story of his birth from Luke's account and from Matthew's account. And just, uh, it's just, again, go back if you missed that, uh, session last week. Go back, listen to it because it was almost it was about 55 minutes, but it was, it was just full of what, some real good, uh, anointed information uh, from the Word of God that I think would be a blessing to you. But let's pick up with a new material here. In John's gospel account, John chapter 1, verse 1, we're talking about Jesus, God with us, says this, In the beginning was the Word. Now you need to realize that prior to Jesus being uh, born in Bethlehem, prior to him being uh, uh, incarnated inside of uh, Mary's womb, the Virgin Mary's womb, he was known as the Word. Now remember, God has no beginning, has no end. The second member of the Trinity has no beginning, has no end. Almighty God. But one of his names, the second member of the Trinity, uh, pre-Bethlehem, we'll put it that way, was the Word. W-O-R-D, the Word. All right? And here it says, the Bible says, John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. Well, that's easy to see. The Trinity, I talked about this at length last week. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God manifested in three persons. So the second person of the Trinity was right there with the first person and with the third person. Okay. 
The Word was with God. So the second member of the Trinity, known as the Word, was with God. And watch this, and the Word was God. Powerful statement. Second member of the Trinity was God, is God. He was in the beginning, verse 2, with God. Talking about the Word here. Second member of the Trinity. Now watch this. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men, or the light of the human race. Verse 14, skip down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, underline that in your Bible. The word became flesh. That's talking about the virgin birth right there. That's talking about, and again, last week we spent a great deal of time on this. The second member of the Trinity took on human form. Absolutely. Absolutely. Remember, we looked at how the, the angel Gabriel came into uh, Mary and brought her the word of God. The word of God was brought to Mary. The angel brought Gabriel brought the word of God to Mary. We looked at this last week and Mary received that word. And, and, and the Bible said that the power of the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And I brought out, and let me let me get it from my notes here. I want to say it just the way uh, the 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 concordance brings it out. Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon her; uh, she was enveloped in a haze of brilliancy, and she received that word, the word of God. The Virgin Mary received the word of God, and she was enveloped in a haze of brilliancy. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. The power of the highest came upon her. Glory to God. There was no sexual relation there at all. Absolutely not. That would be blasphemy to say that. Uh, uh, he overshadowed her. He enveloped her in a, in a haze of brilliancy. A bubble of brilliancy. Glory to God. And, and she received the word of God and the word was made flesh. The second member of the Trinity, and I don't know how it all worked, but the second member of the Trinity... Uh, moved inside of her womb and took on flesh. And nine months later, he was born. We read about it last week. Glory to God. The angels were singing. The stars were... Glory to God. The, the wise men was following the star. and <laughs> Glory to God. It was just an exciting time. But I tell you what, she carried for nine months, the virgin carried uh, the virgin. I said, virgin, you've got to believe in the virgin birth or you can't be a Christian. All right? It's just you gotta believe that that Jesus was born of the Virgin, second member of the Trinity. She Virgin received the Word of God. The Word was made flesh, and nine months later she gave birth, and that little baby boy was born, one hundred percent man, but also one hundred percent God. The Word was made flesh. Glory to God. There in Bethlehem is where he was born in Bethlehem. Like I said, the stars, stars were all, the star was there and the wise men were headed that way and, and the angels heard it, uh, sang to the shepherds, uh, praise God and, and announced to the shepherds. The shepherds went in there and saw that little babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And the son of God, God the son, the second member of the Trinity took on human form. You see, the second member of the Trinity, uh, he's always been, always is, always will be. See, Jesus has always been, always is, always will be. But 
what happened is in Bethlehem, or in the, in the virgin's womb, and nine months later, he, he took on human form and was born. He's always existed, but that's what he took on human form. Talked about that a great deal last week, but the word became flesh. I just don't want you to think that Jesus just started existing there when he was born of the of the virgin, because that's not true. He's always been, always is, always will be God in the flesh. All that happened there, I say all that happened, is a major thing, major thing. He took on human form. God became a man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And dwelt, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. They they, they named him Jesus. Glory to God. And uh and that's what God the Father wanted him named. He told that the angel, told Mary and Joseph, call him Jesus. And, and they did. Emmanuel is how the prophet Isaiah put it. It means God with us. Glory to God. And, uh, he, he, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory to God. And, uh, and so, that's who Jesus is, the second member of the Trinity. 100% uh, God and 100% man. He wasn't 50-50. He was 100% God, 100% man. You got to believe that. Absolutely. I believe it. I believe it. I don't understand it all, how it all works, but I believe it. Glory to God. And uh, And if you look at, Colossians, the first chapter. Let's just look at some verses here showing who Jesus is. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the in, he is the image of the invisible God. Let's just center in on that part right now. He is the image of the invisible God. Absolutely. To look at Jesus, the little baby there in the swaddling clothes lying in the manger, and as he grew, and you see him at 12 years old there in the temple, sitting among the uh, religious teachers and whatnot, and, uh, and, and with knowledge beyond his years, obviously. Very God in the flesh. Shores of Galilee, as John saw him, very God in the flesh. 100% God, 100% man. Absolutely, God in the flesh. He is, to, to look at Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. Absolutely. Absolutely the truth. And notice verse 16, For by him all things were created, that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That's who Jesus is. You see, before Bethlehem, he was known as the Word. But the Word became flesh, and they called him Jesus. Glory to God, born of the Virgin, sinless. Again, if you missed what I said last week about him bypassing the sin nature through the virgin birth, you ought to go listen to that. It'd be worth listening to last week's message just to hear what, what I had to say about that. Glory to God. That's who he is. He is before all things and in him all things consist. Second member of the Trinity, Almighty God. Notice Hebrews 1, verse 1. God at various times and in various ways spoken time past by the fathers 
uh, to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Absolutely, Jesus is the express image of God the Father. Praise God. This excites me. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Praise God forevermore. And again, brought this out last week, but I want to say it again, how when you see the virgin birth and him being the express image of God the Father, it, it ties it in many times with, with, his, with, with his suffering on the cross. And I said this last week, I said the virgin birth without the cross is meaningless and the cross without the virgin birth is powerless. It'd be worth going back and listening to what I had to say last week about that. If that's all you went back and listened to, it'd be worth the, it'd be worth the trip just to listen to that. Glory to God. I'm not going to reiterate it right now, but I said a lot about it last week. But But that virgin birth was so important as it pertained to what he did on the cross. Absolutely. And go listen to last week. You can catch up on that. Glory to God. Praise God. The virgin birth without the cross is meaningless, but the cross without the virgin birth is powerless. It's that virgin birth that, that qualified him to die on the cross as the, as the uh, uh, substitute for the human race. It was that virgin birth that bypassed the sin nature is that virgin birth that made his blood holy. Glory to God. Now he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin, but it was that, that holy blood that he shed on Calvary's cross, that blood that was untainted by sin, that keeps you and me out of a devil's hell. Glory to God. But we have to believe in him and on him. You know what I mean? You kind of believe in him and trust in him, not just mentally accept that he exists, that he is, but we have to know Jesus in our hearts and receive him. Glory to God. We have to know who he is and, and believe on him and trust in him and follow him. We're talking about Jesus. He's God with us. He's God in the flesh. Notice Colossians 2.9 says this, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in, in human form. What does it mean, Godhead? The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. One God, three persons, but the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. Now, I don't understand all that, but I accept it by faith. And what this is saying is that Jesus, 100% man, but 100% almighty God. Glory to God. And in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know, go to Philippians, the second chapter, just showing you that Jesus is God in the flesh. Again, I'm astounded at how many so-called Christian leaders don't believe that. <laughs> you can't be a Christian unless you believe that. I don't keep repeating myself, but I'm just astounded by that. <clears throat> Philippians 2 verse 6. This talks about how when the second member of the Trinity, the Word, the, the, the Son, the Word, we've talked about this, when He took on human form, what happened is, Watch this. We're going to see that he laid down the... When, when, when the second member of the Trinity took on human form, we're going to see that he laid down his expression of deity, but not his possession of it. He laid down his expression of it, of deity, but not his possession of it. 
Philippians 2, verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus, he studied his ministry, and I'll say some things about this as we go. He never considered it to be robbery to be considered equal with God. You know why that, that was? Because he is God. Absolutely. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. That's what happened when the second member of the Trinity, when the word became flesh, when he took on human form. He took the form of a bondservant, came in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He was a man, 100% man, yet 100% God. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. See, there it is again. You can't really separate that virgin birth from the suffering on the cross. He came. What did he come for? Ultimately, he came to die on the cross to redeem mankind. And again, I'll say it. The virgin birth without the cross is meaningless, but the cross without the virgin birth is powerless. You need them both. Glory to God. Jesus was the only one qualified to die on the cross. Because he was the only one that's ever lived that did not have the sin nature. And he was tempted at all points to sin, but he never did. And he was a spotless lamb of God that shed his blood on Calvary's cross. But he was that because of that virgin birth. The virgin birth uh, was necessary for that cross to have the power that it did. Amen. And uh, But he laid down his expression of deity, never his possession of it. You need to realize that. I will say this, that if you look at him in his, in his earthly ministry, he operated in this, earth, in this earth, in his ministry as a man. He didn't operate as God. He operated as a man, Acts 10.38, anointed by God the Father, by the Holy... How God anointed, Acts 10.38, how God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth, his humanity. See, Jesus' deity needed no anointing. But he wasn't operating in this earth as, a, as God. He was operating as a man. That's why he needed the uh, anointing. See, Jesus Christ, Christ means the anointing. He was anointed, how God, Acts 10, 38, uh, the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That's talking about his humanity with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good healing. All that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So as he walked upon the earth in his ministry, from the time he was conceived in the womb, all through his ministry, he didn't operate as God. What a price he paid. Think about that. We think about the price he paid on Calvary. What a price that is. But think about the, the second member of the Trinity, the eternal becoming a man. Think about that. What a price that was to confine himself to a human body and, 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 and to have to deal with the, 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 the sufferings and things of, that you and I have to deal with. But that's what he did. That's how much he loved us. That's how much he loved us. He became a man. He really did. Uh, he really did. And he didn't operate as a as, as God here in the earth. He operated as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. That's why, you know, he, 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 when a woman with the issue of blood touched him, he said, who, who, who touched my clothes? If he was operating as God, he wouldn't have had to ask that question. Then did Jesus, he, he, he slept. He went to sleep, did he? Bible says he did. Absolutely. Uh, but, but you know, the Bible says God never sleeps nor slumbers. How do you explain that? Well, he was operating as a man. Absolutely. Uh, he was tempted. We know that he was. The Bible says he was. 
But the Bible says God cannot be tempted with sin. Well, how do you explain that? Well, Jesus was not operating as God. Though he was God, he wasn't operating as God. He was operating as a man. Absolutely. And he operated as a man. He died. The Bible calls him the son of God. The Bible also calls him the son of man. Absolutely. 100% God, 100% man. But you know, it's interesting that after he was raised from the dead, glory to God, after he was raised from the dead, you see right here we read in Philippians how he laid down not his possession of deity, but his expression of deity. But after he was raised from the dead, bless God, I tell you what, he picked up that expression of deity. He picked that expression of deity up. Glory to God. He sure did. I mean, look what he appeared to his disciples. The doors were shut and he appeared right in their midst. You think about that. Absolutely. Hey, John saw him on the Isle of Patmos after the resurrection. You think about that? And uh, uh, I mean, well, what I just said, I mean, after he was raised from the dead, I mean, he just, the, the disciples were together. He just appears in their midst. See, he didn't do that before the resurrection. See, because he was operating as a man. But after the resurrection, now he's picked up that expression of deity again. And man, he just walked right through the, right through the door, right through the wall. Glory to God. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and John saw him on the Isle of Patmos. You got to read that sometime in the book of Revelation there. Chapter one. Oh my gosh. He, he heard that, that voice behind him is a sound of many waters. He turned around, you know, and he saw Jesus. I mean, and John bit the dust because Jesus had that expression of deity back. I suppose in his earthly ministry, the only time that he, he, he would have had that expression of deity would, would have been on the Mount of Transfiguration. But other than that, you didn't, you, you didn't see you, he operated completely as a man. But he picked that back up, that expression, after he was raised from the dead. Something else I'll note, too, about Jesus and his deity. The only one, as you study the Bible, that's worthy to receive worship is Almighty God. And you know, Jesus received worship. Absolutely. Jesus received worship. We see angels, holy angels in the Bible that men went to worship them and they wouldn't receive the worship. We even see men of God in the Bible who people went to worship them and they wouldn't receive worship. But Jesus received worship. I'll say some more about this this later. But he was worthy to receive worship and he received people's worship. You see that in his, in his earthly ministry. Why is that? Because he's God and God is worthy to receive worship. Now what I want to do in the time that I have left is I want to look at what certain people called Jesus. Jesus is God with us. What did certain people call him? What did certain people call him? As we've seen, the Bible calls him God. I've shown you that. But Micah, Old Testament, just now there's more. I'm not going to get them all in, but I'm going to give you a bunch of of, of people what they call them. I won't get it all in, but I'll get get a lot of them, several of them. But just trying to show you that Jesus is God. Micah 5, 2, the Old Testament prophet said, but you Bethlehem. He's talking about Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Though you're little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to, to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. That's talking about deity. And Micah calls the one that was born in Bethlehem deity. Micah calls Jesus God. Absolutely. And then, like I said, you know... We could go through and cover so many more people, but these are just some that just kind of came to my thinking. Elizabeth, this was Mary's cousin. 
I look at Luke 142 because uh, she was up in years and, and she got pregnant with John the Baptist. Now that was uh, that. Now Elizabeth was not a virgin. She was married to uh, 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 Z- uh, Zacharias, I guess it was, and he was a, a, a priest. And they were up in years and past the childbearing age. But remember, the angel appeared to him and said, "You're going to have a baby," you know, and all of that. You know, he was struck dumb, couldn't speak, and all of that. You can read that. But but when that was going on, Mary. The virgin now, she had got pregnant. She went up to see Elizabeth. You could read about this in Luke 1, verse 42. She took a little trip to go see her cousin. And she spoke out with a loud voice. This is as Mary approached, as Mary approached Elizabeth, John the Baptist, who was in Elizabeth's womb, she, he hadn't been born yet. He started leaping around there. <laughs> Glory to God, because Mary, the virgin, walked up and Jesus was in her womb. <laughs> hey, life begins at conception. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why abortion is wrong. Absolutely. But anyway, uh, then Elizabeth spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you, she's talking to the Virgin Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. By the way, Mary should not be worshipped. Jesus is the only, he ought to be worshipped. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Those three, three and one, one God manifested three persons. God is the only one worthy of worship. Don't worship Mary. You can respect her, you know, absolutely respect her. Don't pray to her. Absolutely. That's a mistake. That's out of line with the Bible. You don't pray to Mary. You pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus, but don't worship Mary. There's nothing deity about her. All right. Now let's don't put her down she's she's the mother of Jesus. You don't want to get Jesus upset with you. You start talking about bad about his mother, you don't want to get him upset with you. Oh, no. But but you shouldn't pray to her and never put her on the same level that you'd put, put, put on the same level with God because she's not. She was a human being. You only worship God the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. You hear me? Absolutely the truth. But when Mary approached Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, blessed are you among women, and she was, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, talking about Jesus, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So she called Jesus Lord, and he was in her her womb, in Mary's womb, and Elizabeth's calling Jesus in the womb of Mary, the virgin, her Lord. Of course, Jesus, in Luke 147, calls Jesus God my Savior, and he's in her womb. You think about that. Second member of the Trinity in her womb. Boy, we've said much about that. But she calls him God, my Savior. John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the one who leaped in his mother's womb when Jesus in the virgin's womb. You can read it there when they approached Elizabeth, Luke, the first chapter. But John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Think about that. And only the virgin-born Son of God, God in the flesh, can take away the sin of the world. So, so John the Baptist acknowledges him as, as God. And then uh, John, the apostle, the apostle John, not John the Baptist, but notice in 1 John 1, verse 1, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. He says this, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Now he's talking about Jesus. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, uh, whom we have heard and seen. 
You see, he walked with Jesus. He had his, he had his head resting on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. And notice what he said. He didn't say he's just a man. No, he said he is the word of life. Now, he's a man, all right, Jesus, but he's the word of life. This is the one, verse 2, this one who is life, uh, this one who is life itself was revealed to us and we've seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. Think about that. Uh, he was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. Powerful statements about who Jesus is. And this is a man who walked right with him, walked the shores of Galilee with him. John, saying he, 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 he is life itself. Look at 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. John, who walked with him, who saw him, who lived right there with him for three and a half years, was right there by his side, was part of his inner circle, says that Jesus is the true God and eternal life. In John's gospel account, chapter 1, verse 18 the New Living Translation says, no one has ever seen God. Now, now let me explain this. Moses, for example, saw God's hinder parts. You could read that in the Old Testament. And people saw Jesus, who is God. What this is making reference to is no one has ever seen God the Father, the invisible God in his fullness of glory. That's what that's talking about. But he goes on to say, but the one and only Son is himself God and is near to the Father's heart, he has revealed God to us. See, Jesus came and revealed God to us, and John said, he's the one and only Son. He said, the one and only Son is himself God. Absolutely. And then the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Titus, you could read this. You read the whole book of Titus. It'll bless you. But, but like, for example, in chapter 2, verse 13, he, he says this, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He not only calls Jesus Savior, but he also calls him God. This is a man who wrote most of the New Testament. And he calls Jesus not only Savior, but God. And then in Hebrews 13, 8, and I believe Paul was most likely the author of the book of Hebrews by the Holy Spirit, of course. But I believe the Holy Spirit used him to write it. He said, Hebrews 13, 8, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus would have to be God for that to be true. I'm just showing you that, that people, that the Bible and people in the Bible proclaim Jesus as God. It's sad so many church leaders today from the survey I read recently, don't believe that he's God. But look at all these Bible characters, real people who believe that he was God. I think of James and Jude, Jesus' half-brothers. They grew up with him. They didn't believe on him while they were growing up in the same home with Jesus. Jesus was their older half-brother. They both had to, had had the same mother, but Jesus, of course, had no biological father. But they didn't believe on Jesus uh, when they were being raised in 
Mary and Joseph's home. But after Jesus was raised from the dead, they became believers. This is powerful to me. James and Jude. James wrote the book of James, was a pastor in Jerusalem, and uh, Jude wrote the book of Jude. They didn't believe on Jesus, as I said, but after he was raised from the dead, they believed on their half-brother. And not only that, they called him, uh, uh, they, they said they were bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, I mean, that speaks volumes that they're calling their half-brother Essentially, they're calling him God. They're saying that they're bond servants. And you can make, you can make argument that Jude actually did come out in his book, call him God. Absolutely. They, they believe that he was God. And that speaks volumes to me because Jesus was their, their half brother according to the flesh. And they called him God and made themselves bond servants to him. Powerful, powerful, powerful. So many people in the Bible believe that Jesus is God. Again, I'm going to say it. So sad to say there's a lot of church leaders today that don't believe that. That's very sad. They shouldn't be church leaders. You shouldn't even be, you can't, how can you be a leader? How can you be a, you can't be a Christian. I keep saying it if you don't believe that Jesus is God. But now let's talk about Jesus concerning himself. Jesus concerning himself as it pertains to him being deity, being God. In John, the 10th chapter, verse 31, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I shown you from my Father. For which one of these good works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man, you being a man, make yourself God. And they got so aggravated with Jesus and they uh, accused him of blasphemy again and again and wanted to stone him again and again because he being a man made himself equal with God and, and he did. But he did not do it in a haughty way. He didn't do it in a prideful, boastful way. And and when he was questioned on it, he he from my study of it, he was very slow to acknowledge it. And they just had to almost just flat pin him down to get him to acknowledge it. Well, we read earlier in the book of Philippians how he made himself of no reputation and humbled himself. But when they just, just pinned him down and he'd you know, come out and say it or acknowledge it, they'd, they'd get so mad at him they'd want to stone him. And, and it would have been blasphemy for Jesus to make himself equal with God, but it wasn't blasphemy. You know why? Because he was equal with God. He was God in the flesh. It's interesting, the blind people of Jesus' day, so many of them could see who he was, but the religious, self-righteous hierarchy, church or synagogue leaders, synagogue leaders couldn't see it. My, my, my. Few of them did, of course, certainly but most of them couldn't. Let's go to Mark, the second chapter. I'm going to just paraphrase this for the sake of time, but remember when that paralytic was let down in front of Jesus, they tore the roof off the house. He had four friends, tore the roof off the house. They couldn't get to Jesus because there were so many people, so one took this paralyzed guy on a stretcher up on the roof, tore the roof off, let him down in front of Jesus. And long story short, they're looking for the man to be healed. And Jesus says, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the religious people 
or there had a conniption fit. And they said, who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus said that you may know that the Son of Man has power on on earth to forgive sins. He said, rise, take up your... Because he said, which is easier to... Well, I could just read it here, but you could read it. Sake of time, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk? Well, it's harder to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. You can say your sins are forgiven. How would anybody know? That's easy to say, but it's harder to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. He said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. The guy rose, took up his bed and walked. What did that prove? That he had power on earth to forgive sins and only God can forgive sins. What do we know? Jesus is God. God. Glory to God. He had power to forgive sins. You could read all about that in Mark, the second chapter. And then in John, the eighth chapter, because uh, you ought to read John, the eighth chapter sometime. Uh, you ought to read John, the fifth chapter sometime on this. But John, the eighth chapter, for the sake of time, the Pharisees were questioning Jesus' birth. We've been talking a lot about the virgin birth. And they were actually, you can, you can read this if you read John 8 and, and just do a careful reading of it. You can see where they're questioning his birth. Now, we know he was born of the Virgin Mary. The Bible's clear. But they were questioning his birth. And they ask him, if you read John 8, you'll see they ask him where his father was. And actually, they, 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 if you read it carefully, they accused him, uh, Jesus, of being born of fornication. And they go on to call him a demon-possessed Samaritan. Now, we know he wasn't demon-possessed, but they called him a Samaritan, and that's a half-breed Jew. They were questioning Jesus' pedigree. They were questioning his birth. And Jesus and the Pharisees were going back and forth on this. And eventually, the patriarch Abraham came up in the discussion and Jesus finally says, when, I mean, they just, they were going back and forth, Jesus and the Pharisees, and he makes this statement. He says to them, he said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, when he said that, you talk about making them mad. They got madder, madder maybe than they've ever been. Absolutely. I mean, it's clear they wanted to stone him. I mean, that just flipped them out because I am was a name reserved for Almighty God. And that's how God revealed himself to Moses. And I mean, that was just, that was off limits for anybody to say that they are, I am. And uh, Jesus said, I am. That's not the only time he said it. He he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. And, 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 you know, and and many other times he used that. But when he said before, think about that, before Abraham was, because they said to him, you're not even 50 years old. And he said, they're talking about Abraham. And then Jesus went, read it in, in John 8. He said, before Abraham was, I am. You think about that. That means that he was in existence before Abraham. And Abraham lived hundreds of years before Jesus. You think about that long time, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, maybe even a couple thousand years before Jesus. How a long time? Think about that, what Jesus was saying when he said, I am. Think about that. And, and they got mad. But what was he saying? He was, he, he was calling it, he was acknowledging that he is God. Absolutely. I, I, just, I think about when he was... Uh, in the garden and he was about to get arrested remember that and they and they brought that large if you study into it that large group of soldiers it was a large it was a whole lot of soldiers they came out to the garden of gethsemane to take jesus and uh 
and, and, and remember this when Judas betrayed him and they walked up to him and, and they, they, you know, he said, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus. And, and he said, I am. And when he said, I am, the power of God hit that, hit that group of soldiers. And I mean, flat level them on the ground, level them down. The power of God. Yeah, Jesus is I am. He is God in the flesh. Absolutely. He is. Boy, I feel boldness. Come on me, my goodness gracious. He, he, he is the I am. Absolutely. He called himself that because he am. Glory to God. And he is whatever you need. Praise God. You need healing. You need salvation. He's salvation. You need healing. He's healing. Glory to God. You need joy. He's joy. You need provision. He's provision. He is whatever you need. Glory to God. Praise God. John... <laughs> You need somebody to keep you company. He am that too. He'll keep you company. He'll never leave you nor forsake you if you believe on him. Well, I'm talking about what people call Jesus, what he called himself, what he said about himself. John 10, 30, he said this. He said, I and my father are one. Now that doesn't mean one in the same, but one in unity. Absolutely. The religious people didn't like to hear that either. John 14, 8, he said to Philip, he said, because uh, Philip had asked him, he said, Lord, show us the Father. And uh, Jesus said, John 14, 8, verse 9, Jesus said, he said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Glory to God. Doesn't mean that Jesus was one in the, in the same with the Father. Just means that he was co-equal with the Father and he was representing the Father. And he's expressed, we read this earlier, he's the express image of the Father. And to see the Son, you've seen the Father. Glory to God. Doesn't mean they're one in the same, but they are co-equal. Absolutely. Uh, uh, members of the Trinity. Praise God. The Father is the first member. The Son is the second member. Holy Spirit's the third member. But yeah, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He came so that we could understand the Father and that he represented the Father to us. Express image of the Father. Glory to God. That excites me. And uh, then in John 17, verse 5, we talked about Jesus saying before Abraham was, I am. John 17, verse 5. And now, O Father... He said, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Think about, chew on that sometime. That Jesus prayed that to the Father indicating that he was with the Father before the world was even put here. Think about that. The Bible calls him the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Glory to God. Think about that. Before the world ever was, he was in existence with the Father and with the Holy Ghost. He, Jesus made a statement one time. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Well, that was way back in yesteryear before Adam and Eve were ever put in the Garden of Eden. My, my, my. In Revelation 1 verse 8, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Glory to God. In Revelation 22 verse 16, listen to this. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. Now watch this. He says, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Now notice, yes, he's the bright morning star, but look at this. I'm the root and offspring of David. What is that telling us? It's saying that Jesus is both the creator of David and the descendant of David. Think about that. He created David. Jesus in his deity created David, made him the root. But in his humanity, 
through Mary, he was the descendant of David. Only God, the Son of God, can, can fit both bills there and, 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 and could say something like that. Glory to God. He's a, he, man, that excites me. He's the root and the offspring of David. Boy, you can just chew on that right there. That right, just chew on that for a while and that cancer will leave your body. I'll tell you what, glory to God. Praise God. Oh my goodness. Healing power of God's flowing right now. If you're out there and you're sick in your body, just receive the healing power of God by faith. I tell you what, the power of God will go in you. It'll drive cancer out of you. It'll drive, it'll drive every, any kind of sickness or disease out of you. It really, really will. You just receive it. Just receive it by faith. Say, Lord God, I receive healing right now in the name of Jesus. Let the power of God hit you. It'll hit you right through that device that you're watching this on. Absolutely the truth. Praise God. I think you ought to rewind what I just said and listen to that about him being a, he's a, he's the glory to God, the root and the offspring of David. He's a creator of David and the offspring. Only the son of God, only God can say something like that. Glory to God forevermore. 100% God, 100% man. Job called him the daysman, the go-between. The Bible calls him the mediator. He can lay his hand on God because he is God, and he can lay his hand on humanity, on man, because he is man. He's the unique person of the ages, Jesus. The second member of the Trinity, God made flesh. My goodness. And if that's not enough, what has God the Father said about Jesus? Well, much we could say. Much we could say. But he said... Remember when he was getting baptized, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he said a similar thing on the Mount of Transfiguration. Glory to God. And, 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 and then if that's not enough, in Hebrews 1 verse 6, the Bible says, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says this, let all the angels of God worship him. This is what God the Father, the first member of the Trinity, said about Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. And only God is worthy to receive worship. And God the Father told the angels to worship Jesus. Glory to God. Isn't that, I mean, God's call, the Father's calling Jesus God. I mean, and if that's not enough, Hebrews 1 verse 8 says, but to the Son, he says, to the Son, to Jesus, the Father says, your throne Oh, God is forever a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. God, the father comes right out and calls Jesus, the son, God. Now, what more do you need? <laughs> I mean, Jesus is God. Absolutely the truth. And we'll close with this. Close with this. You thought I forgot about Peter, but I did. We'll close with this. Second Peter one verse one. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter calls him God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then in Matthew 16, listen carefully. Jesus came. Now, 2 Peter 1, 1 is what Peter wrote about him. Many years later, but when they walked the shores of Galilee with Jesus, here's what happened one time. Matthew 16, 13, Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And Jesus typically referred to himself as the son of man. 
Again, that humility. See, he, he, he seldom referred to himself as the son of God. They'd almost have to pin him down to get him to acknowledge it. And uh, actually, there's a prophecy. Somebody asked me one time, so why did Jesus tell people not to, you know, to, 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 to uh, 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 mention, you know, why, why did he say, tell no, you know, don't, don't, don't tell anybody who I am. Don't tell anybody who I am. Well, I actually found, I think it's in Matthew 12. Don't, don't hold me to that. I don't have it in my notes, but there's actually, there's a prophecy from the Old Testament that alludes to that, but much I could say about it, but he, he, he wasn't out to build a reputation for himself. He, he, he just wasn't. God, think about that. What an example we ought to learn from that. What an example we, we can learn. He wasn't out to build his own reputation. He was out to do the will of his father. Absolutely, his father glorified him. In the process of time, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in, in due season he'll exalt you. Well, Jesus humbled himself under his father's hand and his father did exalt him. Boy, at that resurrection, glory to God. Whew. But anyway, much I could say. He came up here in, in, there in Caesarea Philippi. He said, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that's the question that you have to answer. That's the question I have to answer. That's the question of the ages. That's a question everybody's got to answer. And that is the most important question of all time. And that is the heaven hell question. Whom do you say that Jesus is? Some say he's John the Baptist. They're going to spend eternity in a devil's hell. Some say he's Elijah, Jeremiah. Some say he's just a prophet. Some say he's just a good teacher. The rich young ruler, he saw him only as a good teacher and walked away from him. If you just see him as a good teacher or a prophet, you just see Jesus as that, you're going to, as that, you're going to spend eternity in hell. You've got to see him as Peter saw him. And Peter said this, because Jesus said, whom do you say that I am? And Peter said this, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And that got him saved. Glory to God. And that's what will get you saved. And did you know I can't reveal that to you? All I can do is preach that to you. But God is the only one that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can reveal that to you. Because if you read on here, it says, Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And uh, so I just pray, God, that he'll reveal that to you. If you don't know who Jesus is, you've got to answer that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? All I can do is tell you he's God in the flesh, the Son of the living God. I pray that God, but God has to reveal that to you. I can't reveal it to you. But I pray that God will. And you receive him into your heart by faith. I tell you what. See, if you just see him as a prophet, a good teacher, something like that, you'll spend eternity in a devil's hell. But if you'll see him as very God, the second member of the Trinity, the word made flesh, the son of the living God, the Lord God of glory. I'm talking about Jesus. And you'll receive him. Man, you won't go to hell one day. You'll go to heaven. Glory to God. Glory to God. But this right here is the question of the ages. And you've got to answer that. Who is Jesus? Who is he? I've told you everything you need to know to get saved. 
and miss hell, make heaven, but you've got to, you've got to receive him. You've got to believe it. Glory to God. Peter knew who he was. And you know, as I close this, let me say this. At the Last Supper, you ought to go read this sometime in Matthew 26. At the Last Supper, those 12 apostles go around the room. 11 of them, 11 of them called Jesus Lord. But there was one who couldn't call him, didn't call him Lord, just called him teacher. You know who that was? That was Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed him. And Jesus said it would have been better for him never to have been born, which means that he will spend eternity in hell. He wouldn't, couldn't call Jesus Lord. You see, John 8, 24, Jesus said to the religious people of his day, he said, you'll die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, You'll die in your sins. If you don't believe that Jesus is the great I am, if you don't believe that he is God in the flesh, if you don't believe that he's the son of God, you don't trust in him. The Bible says, Jesus said you'll die in your sins and go to hell. But you know, going to hell is the dumbest, stupidest thing anybody's ever done. Don't you die and go to hell. You make a decision to repent of your sins and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe these things that I've been showing you from the Bible that he is very God and you cry out to him and you receive him as your Lord and Savior. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You do that right now. I tell you what, you'll miss hell, you'll make heaven and he'll make your life worth living. Don't ever forget this, that Jesus is God and he's Lord and he's with us. Well, I trust this has been helpful to you. Glory to God. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off now. And uh, and uh, uh, I think after teaching this to you the last two weeks, I think I've earned a couple of weeks off. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off and, uh, and enjoy Christmas with my family. And uh, if you miss me too much, just listen to, listen to these messages the next few Sundays down the road and and uh, do you good to listen to them over and over again if you miss me too much and uh, I'll be back after the first of the year my wife and I will be sharing a Christmas message just about a 10 minute greeting with you on, on Christmas day but other than that hey I'll see you after the first of the year Merry Christmas to you and Happy New Year bye bye